feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to talk about worship. Worship. Um, so today I'm going to say some introductory things about worship. And we're going to say some things today also about how to worship God. And then over the next couple of weeks, this series won't go as long as the one on the armor of God. But just, just a few Sundays on on vain worship. Did you know that we can worship God in vain? And then there's idol worship. Idol worship. Many Christians are into that. Did you hear what I said? Many Christians, many Christians, not only vain worship, or we could say worship that is worthless, but also many Christians, multitudes, multitudes of Christians in the United States that worship idols. And then we're going to talk about what are the benefits of worship? What do we get out of it? Because there are benefits of it. And then we'll say some things about worshiping God with our offerings. So over the next several weeks, we'll touch on these things. So in Psalm 29 verse 2, Psalm 29 verse 2 is a good verse as a foundational verse to have, which we'll use. It says, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Well, I think all of us would agree that God's name is worthy of all glory and honor. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So we're supposed to worship the Lord. Actually, we were created, we were made to worship the Lord. Now, why have we assembled here today? Why have we assembled here today? Well, there's three reasons why we've come here today. Three reasons. First and foremost is to worship God. To worship God. To worship Him. Secondly, is to hear His Word. And thirdly, to fellowship with one another. Those three things, why we're here today. Now, the first one was to what? To worship God. The second one was to hear His Word. And the third thing was to fellowship with one another. Now, that's the order that they're supposed to be in. Now, did you hear what I just said? That's the order that they're supposed to be in. First, to worship God. Secondly, to hear His Word. And thirdly, to fellowship with one another. Now, it's amazing, and I've been doing this for a long time, watched a lot of people over many decades, that usually the third one on that list is the first one on most Christians' list. The third one on this list the thing that should be third with most Christians is the first thing. The first thing, the main reason that Christians come to church, I've been doing this a long time, is to see their friends. To 
you know, to spend time chatting with one another. Now, how many of you know there's nothing wrong with that? How many of you know that's good and that's biblical to come and see your friends and, and chat with them and talk with them and fellowship with them? That is good. But on the list of three that I just gave you, what number should that hold? That should be what number three? That shouldn't be what number one or two, correct? But, but I would say, in doing this for decades, I would say probably, and I'm not targeting this at you, I'm just, target, I'm just talking about the preponderance of many, many, many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over decades, the main reason that people, Christians now, that are born again, love the Lord, and even spirit-filled, come to church is to see their friends, to fellowship with their friends, you know, do fantasy football or whatever else going on, and then where are we going to go to lunch afterward? Now, that's, that's, isn't that that's sad, isn't it? But that's the truth. I've watched it for many, many, many years. Now, is there anything wrong with coming and fellowshipping with one another? Absolutely not. Is there anything wrong with going out to lunch afterward? Absolutely not. It's all, it's all good. And, and, and even fantasy football, if it's, I know some group of men some years ago did it, and then they, they took the proceeds and gave it to, to the church to be a blessing to the missionaries or whatever. And, and fantasy football in and of itself, I don't have no problem with that. It just shouldn't be number one on the list of why you come to church. Is, is that right? It, it, that, I mean, fellowshipping, we're talking about worshiping God. Fellowshipping with one another is very scriptural and biblical, but on that list of three, it should hold what number? Number three. The first reason we come is to do what? To worship God. And then secondly, to hear his word. And thirdly, then, to fellowship with one another. Okay, so if you're taking notes, be sure you get, get that written down and, and, and adhere to that. And things will go better for you. Now, what is worship? Well, we could talk for a long time about that. But just some things I wrote down here. It's reverencing God. Complete devotion to God. Honoring God, admiring God, adoring God, exalting God, giving your whole and complete attention to God, to show your love and total commitment to Him. That is what worship is. Uh, it's, 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 it's like a bowing of your knee, a bowing of your heart, and a giving of your all to the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we could talk for weeks about what worship is. But, you know, those are just some things I wrote down. Um, now, you need to realize this. There is an innate need and desire within all human beings to worship. There is an innate need and desire within all human beings to worship. And perhaps that's why God gave us the first two commandments in the list of ten commandments that he gave us. Because we have a need within us to worship. And remember the first commandment, he said, you shall have no other gods 
before me. Because you see, if you put anything ahead of God, then you've moved, o- you've moved over and become an idol worshiper. Because anything that you put ahead of God has become an idol to you. And we're going to spend a whole session on idol worship. The Bible has so much to say about idol worship. You see God's people in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. Uh, I'm talking God's people become idol worshipers. And God's warned us against that. And so we'll have, we'll have a whole session on that. Um, but he said, you'll have no other gods before me. Because you see, anything that takes the place of God or comes before God has become an idol to you. And then the second commandment, he said, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Those are the first two commandments. So in those first two commandments, he's warning his people to not become idol worshipers, but to worship him and keep him first. Now, you know, people worship all sorts of things. Christians worship all sorts of things. We see throughout the Bible people worshiping false gods. The book of Deuteronomy talks about people who feel compelled to worship the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, you know as well as I do, that's astrology, isn't it? Isaiah, the prophet, talks about a people who worship the work of their own hands. The Israelites worshiped the golden calf immediately after God delivered them from bondage. Think about that. The people in Hezekiah's day worshiped the bronze serpent that Moses, remember when he had that bronze serpent put up on a pole and anyone who looked at it, would, if they were bitten by the serpents, they would live? How many remembers that? Well, in Hezekiah's day, many, many years later, they took that serpent, they gave it a name, And they begin to worship it. And Hezekiah had to have it put away. The book of Revelation talks about people who worship demons. And idols of gold, silver, and brass. Stone and wood which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Money is something we have to be watchful of. That we don't worship money. You know there's a lot of people worship money. You can't serve God in money, can you? Nothing wrong with having money. It's just wrong when money has you. But people worship money. The book of Philippians talks about people whose God is their stomach. What what does that mean? Well, you know, you can worship food, can't you? And your own appetites and your own desires. And, of course, we understand that people of other religions worship all sorts of things, including animals. How many of you know that there's places in the world that people are starving to death, and yet there's cows walking down the street, and they won't kill them because they think they're gods and they're worshiping them. Is that, is that right? And the book of Romans said that 
those people exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. I don't know about you, but I want to worship God. The Apostle Paul, on one of his journeys, proclaimed to the people of Athens, he said, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, who, you see, we shouldn't have an object of our worship. We should have a person of our worship, and that person is is God, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Is that right? God. You know, you've got to be watchful anymore. And people sometimes say, well, why, why do you always say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, put Jesus in there. Why do you do that? Because in the United States, where God is not respected as He should be respected, yea, and verily among a lot of Christian churches, He's not respected as He should be. The reason you have to include Jesus in there is because in the United States anymore, uh, used to be when you say God, people knew who you were talking about, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But now you say God, people don't know who you're talking about. Did you hear me? So that's why I say the Father, who is, who is that? The Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is God the Father, then the, the Trinity, then the, He's the Father. There's one God, three persons, one God. Is that right? Three in one, God the Father, God the Son, who His name is Jesus, and then God the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, however you want to refer to Him. You know, there's something about that name of Jesus I always, whenever I listen to something, you know, I'm always listening for that name. I want to hear that name. How about you? You know, there's some folks have trouble using that name. Even in Christian circles, wouldn't want to use the name of Jesus. We might offend somebody. Isn't that sad where we've come to? I'm not ashamed of the name of Jesus. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You go in to just about any public school system in this nation and you start talking about Muhammad, Allah, Buddha, Confucius, name them all, nothing to be said. You even go in there and start talking about God, not much. But when you say the name of Jesus, you're going to have all kinds of hells going to break loose. Yes or no? Absolutely. And I, and I meant to say hell there because you, I tell you, it, 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 that name stirs people up. You know why it does? Because the devil has hold of a lot of these systems and the devil is the one that defeated Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> forgive me, Lord. I, I Forgive me. Jesus is the one who defeated the devil. Lord, forgive me that I just got tongue tangled. Do you forgive me? Lord, do you forgive me? I know the Lord does. I repent right here before you. I said it wrong. Jesus defeated the devil. Jesus defeated the devil. Jesus defeated the devil. Did I get it right now? I just wanted to see if you were awake. Aren't you glad that when we miss it, that God will forgive us? I just, I just got... Goofed up. I'm just as human as the next guy, huh? Jesus defeated the devil. Okay. 
You say, how do you know all hell would break loose if you went into the public school and used the name of Jesus? Because I've done it. You call Buddha, you call Confucius, you call Muhammad, Allah, even call God the name. But you call Jesus and all kinds of trouble will start. Because I want to say it again, I want to get it right. Because the devil runs a lot of these things. When you say Jesus, Jesus defeated the devil and the devil doesn't like that. Okay, did I get it right there? Okay. But anyway, Paul said, and I want to review this, he said, I pre- he went into Athens and he said, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this, this inscription to the unknown God. Do you know that people worship all sorts of things? People worship things they don't even know what they're worshiping. People worship all sorts of quote-unquote gods. They don't even know what they're worshiping. How many of you know, and and I'm going to be real blunt here, but it's the truth, Allah is just another name for Satan. Satan's behind Buddhism. He's behind Confucianism. He's behind the New Age stuff. Satan's behind all that. There aren't a bunch of gods out there. You need to understand that. Anything that is apart from God, the Father, Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, anything other than, or anyone other than God, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Satan, the devil's behind it. Did you hear me? Do you understand that? It's like that uh, if you study, if you go to school and you study Greek mythology... Zeus and Hermes and all of that. You know who's behind all of that? The devil, Satan. You need to understand that. There aren't a bunch of gods out there and you just pick which one. There's only one of two people you're going to serve. You're either going to serve the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, God, or you're going to serve Satan, one or the other. There's, There's only two choices. Is that right? Are you okay? Am I doing okay with this? Okay. So our worship needs to go to God. And when I say God, who am I talking about? The Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, go to Revelation 22.8, if you would. And notice here, John the Apostle, in the great revelation here that he was having, near the end of the book of Revelation... And this happened on two occasions. We're just going to read the second occasion where John, this, this, uh, uh, I think in the first occasion it was an angel. In the second occasion it was one of the Old Testament prophets was talking with him. And it says here, now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Now, how many of you know we're not supposed to bow down to an angel? You've got to be real watchful because the Bible says that the devil himself can appear as an angel of light. You've really got to know the Word of God to be sure you don't 
worship something or someone that you shouldn't be worshiping. Because if John can make a mistake, well, I made a mistake a few moments ago, didn't I? And I corrected it. But I'm, I'm in good company. John made a mistake here. He fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he, the angel, said to me, See that you do not do that. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets. So this probably wasn't an angel. It was one of the Old Testament prophets, no doubt. But, but nonetheless, and of those who keep the words of this book, and he tells them to do what? Worship God. You need to realize this and don't ever forget it. An angel of God, an emissary of God, a representative of God, a representative of God will not receive the worship of a human being. They will always direct that worship to God. Now you need to realize that, and that's what happened right here. See, John, he just he he he's human. He made a mistake, and and he fell down to worship, and uh, and this representative of the Lord said, "See that you do not do that." And then he told him to worship God. And this happened another time, uh, a couple chapters prior, I believe, similar similar thing. Now it's interesting. And I don't have this in my notes, but I, I feel impressed to say it. If you, go, if you went to the book of Revelation, I think in chapter 1, somebody appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos. And John turned around and saw him and he fell at his feet as dead and he worshipped him, if you will. Now that person that appeared to him on the Isle of Patmos was none other, none other than Jesus. And it's good to fall down and worship Jesus but not an angel or, a, or another human being. And uh, so he fell down to worship and this prophet said, don't do it. A representative of God will never receive the worship of a human being. They'll always direct it to God. Whether it be an angel or a, or a, or a, or a minister or whoever it is, you know, if you came up here and fell down to worship me, I'd say, stand up on your feet. Don't do that. No, 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 no. No, worship God. If you're going to bow down your knee to anybody, bow it down to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this, reading from my notes. Often people worship other people. Now this is something you need to realize when we talk about worship here. It's important that you don't become a worshiper of other people. I've watched this over many years. People tend to want to worship people. They put people up on a pedestal. Now, there's nothing wrong with respecting people, honoring people, holding people in high esteem. That's, that, there's nothing wrong with that. Jack Nicholas, I hold him in high esteem. He's a golfer, probably the greatest ever. But I don't worship that man. He's just as human as you or me. You understand that? Kenneth Hagin, I hold him in high esteem, but I don't worship him at all. And by the way, I don't base anything I believe on any of the revelations that he had. I base what I believe on the Bible. Because he's not God. Did you hear what I just said? We should hold people in high esteem and give honor to those whom honor is due. But we shouldn't put them on the same level as God and worship them. But you know as well as I do, over the years, people have worshipped kings and queens and emperors and presidents and girlfriends and boyfriends. Particularly when you're young and you don't know as much as I know here at 
almost 55 years old, when you're young and that first love hits you, you tend to want to almost worship that person you think you're in love with, but you're probably not. You're probably just in love with the idea of being in love. But be that as it may, don't worship people. Can you say amen? Watch people. I, we, we've seen this quite a bit. People will worship their children. I've seen this many times over the years. How many of you know you ought to love your children? They ought to be special to you and precious to you. You ought to love them and cherish them and all of that. But they don't hold the same place that God holds. But I'd say multitudes, multitudes of, of people worship their children. You ought to love them, honor them, but they're not God, are they? You know, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we won't turn there. You could look it up and see it. But there was this king named Herod, and he got up and he gave a speech, and he was a great speech maker. And he got up and he gave a speech. And, 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 and you know, I mean, there's some people can get up and really give a good speech. And, and he got up and he gave a speech, and the people rose up, and after hearing his speech, they said this, I mean, the way he spoke it was so powerful. This evil man now evil man got up and gave this speech and and the people began to worship him and they said this isn't the the words of a man this is the words of a god you can read it in the book of acts and he received their worship and the bible says an angel of the lord struck him and he was eaten with worms and died we must not worship human beings And we should never receive the worship of anyone. Listen to this. Human beings are not designed to receive worship. We are designed to worship. We're not designed to receive it. And you consider the end result of celebrities and even some famous preachers over the years who people have set on a pedestal and and, and have worshipped them, if you will. And I tell you what, those people that, that, that are set on that pedestal, see, we're not designed to be set up on a pedestal and, and, and adored by people. We're just not designed that way. And you look at people over the years, celebrities who have been set on a pedestal and basically worshipped by mass multitudes, those, those people usually don't wind up very well. It goofs them up. It messes them up. I can think of two. Elvis Presley would be one. Michael Jackson, number two. There's two of them for you right there. It goofs them up. I could call some ministers' names. It goofs them up. We're not designed to receive worship. We certainly shouldn't worship any other person other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle, and when I say the Lord Jesus, I'm talking about the Father, help me, the Son, And the Holy Spirit. And actually, just so you know, just you need to know this. You need to know this about God. You start worshiping the Holy Ghost, guess what he's gonna do? He's gonna point you to to Jesus. Did you hear me? And, And and really, you start worshiping Jesus, guess what he's gonna do? He's gonna point you to the Father. And uh, and I already said it, but I want to be sure I don't miss it here. The apostles, 
do you remember there was there was a time where I guess it was Peter or John or whatever they there was this they healed the guy and and uh, they didn't heal him Jesus healed him but the power of God flowed through him and healed the person see that's something else you need to realize when when somebody gets healed through a, a certain ministry don't give that ministry any glory who's the healer Jesus is the healer. And any, any minister that's worth his salt or her salt, when a, the power of God flows through them and somebody gets healed, a lot of times a person that gets healed wants to start worshiping that person that laid hands on them. No, that person should immediately say, no, 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 I didn't have nothing to do with it. Worship God. And that happened in that you can read it in the New Testament. And, 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 and Peter and, 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 and John would say, it wasn't us by our power. It was, it was the name of Jesus. Don't worship us, worship Jesus, you see. You could read about that. Now you need to know this. The devil seeks to be worshipped. Do you remember he wanted Jesus to bow down and worship him? Remember that when he was tempting the Lord? For those 40, at the end of the 40 days? How many remembers that? And here's something you need to realize. The devil, if he could, would make you worship him. You need to know this about God though. God never makes anyone worship him. Because he's love, and love doesn't make people do things. Did you hear me? I don't know. I want to just be like the Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refuse to bow and worship anyone other than God. How about you? You want to be like them? Now, I'm going to give you an assignment. If you're serious about learning some things about worship, I'm going to give you an assignment before you come back next week. I want you... Now, those are my introductory remarks. Now, we're going to spend the next few minutes... I'm talking about how to worship God. How did I do on my introductory remarks? Did, was that okay? Now, here's your assignment. I want you to read the book of... Now, don't start it now. But before you come back next week, this is an easy assignment. I seldom give assignments out on Sunday morning, but here's an assignment. I want you to read Revelation chapter 5. It's one chapter. We can all handle that. Read Revelation chapter 5 if you want to see how worship is done in heaven. And you see, Jesus prayed and he said he wanted the Father's will done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you want to see how worship should be here on the earth, what you need to do is read Revelation, the fifth chapter. You can see how it's done in heaven. And then you'll be able to know how it's done here on the earth. Now, please don't start reading that now. Do you promise me you won't start reading that now? Okay, read it later. But here's some things that I noticed. In heaven, in Revelation 5, it's a group activity. There were lots of people gathered together. You don't have to have lots of people. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. How many, how many remember him saying that? But it's, it was a group activity. It was diverse. There's a lot of different people there out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Now, how many of you know if you get somebody from a, a Pentecostal church and somebody from a Baptist church, you're going to probably have two different methods of worship going on there. Is, is that right? Yes or no? It's interesting as you read Revelation 5, how many times you see the word loud? It was loud. 
heaven is a, is, is, there's a verse, I think it's Revelation about the eighth chapter, somewhere in there, it said there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. And, and it's like, wow, silence in heaven for a half hour. That's on in the future, it's going to happen. Why is that so awesome that there'd be silence in heaven for a half hour? Because heaven is a busy place. There's lots going on there. There's praise and worship to God. It's, it, it, it's, it's a loud place. But I don't believe it's loud in a bad, bad loud. It's just people are worshiping God. So it's diverse. It's loud. It's demonstrative. You know what I mean when I say demonstrative? There, there, people, as you read there in, in Revelation 5, you'll see that, that people have, they express their emotion. It's not dead, in other words. Now, I know, I, 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 and I'm not going to get into it right now. I've shared it with you in the past, but sometime after my mother went to heaven uh, in a dream, it was more than a dream, but it was in a dream, and, and, and I, I got a glimpse uh, of heaven, and, and God let me see a worship service up there. you don't want to come back here after you get just a little glimpse of just a worship service up there. It wasn't even at the throne of God, but they were worshiping God. I've never, and it was very similar to here on the earth, but it was just, it was, the best I could tell you is you take a Billy Graham, Billy Graham choir and ramp it to about, uh, uh, punch it up to warp nine. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it's like, when people say, oh, well, we got to go to worship God. No, I tell you what, you, get, you, you, you don't want to come back here no more. You don't want to be here anymore. There's nothing like it. The power and the anointing and the love and the sweetness of worshiping God. I'm talking in heaven now. I got, I got, God let me have a glimpse of worship service. You don't want to come back here to the earth anymore. It's beautiful. You could, you could, you could be in that all for a thousand years and you couldn't get enough. Oh, that's what worship ought to be like here on the earth. How do you worship God? Let's go to John, the fourth chapter. I'm sorry. Heaven's very real, dear friends. Very real. Worship should not be a boring time. It should be what we live for. To worship God. And I don't mean just here in these services on Sunday morning. I mean every day. You'll see that as we go here. Notice this is when Jesus encountered the woman at the well. And he said to her, woman, this is John 4.21. He said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So the Jews certainly had the form of worship that was in line with the word of God. This woman didn't have a clue. But verse 23, the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers. How many of you want to be a true worshiper? 
We'll worship the Father in what? In spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Think about that. God's looking for somebody. Who's He looking for? Those that will worship Him in what? Spirit and in truth. Then verse 24, God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in what? In spirit and truth. Now for years, I'll be honest with you, I really didn't understand what that meant. Now the truth part was easy enough. But the in spirit part threw me for a loop. But I think I've got a better understanding of it now. So I'm going to conclude by talking to you about what it means in spirit and in truth. Let's do the easy part first, in truth, in truth. In truth is the easy part. It's pretty easy because Jesus said of this Bible here, he said, thy word is truth. So the in truth part is very simple. We need to worship God in line with his word. Easy enough? In truth, in line with his word. Now notice A lot of folk don't do that. Mark 7, verse 6. Go there quickly. Mark 7, verse 6. Jesus answers and says to these people. He said, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their... With their what? Lips. But their what? Their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me. I'm going to do a whole session on this vain worship as we go here. But in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the what? The commandments of men. So you can get all goofed up on your worship and you can get all, all off in a wrong direction with your worship if you're not worshiping in line with the word of God. You can go into any number of churches in this land. I'm not being critical of churches. I'm just saying you can go into any number of churches and you can probably, maybe even in this church, you might be able to find some things that go on in worship that might not be completely, totally in line with the Word of God. How many of you know we're human, aren't we? So we have to be continually watchful that we're worshiping in line with the Word of God. And and a lot of times you go in and people do things in worship services Because they've always done them that way. And they're not even in line with the word of God. But you know there's a lot of people who won't change and get themselves in line with the word of God because tradition. We've always done it that way. The people, our ancestors did it that way. So we're going to do it that way. How many of you know if your tradition goes against the word of God, you need to make an adjustment? Yes or no? So... We need to be sure that we're worshiping in line with the Word of God. Okay? In line with the Word of God. So that's the in truth part. I could talk for hours on that, but we just need to be sure that we're worshiping in line with the Word of God. And as best I know here, we're doing our best to do that. Okay? But now in spirit. What does it mean in spirit? Well... I'll I'll close with these statements. There's two aspects of this. Two aspects of of in spirit that you have to to really understand it. You got to get this. The first aspect of in spirit is this. In spirit, if you really get in there and study into it, and you get into the Greek Greek of it, the, the Greek word, we could say it another way. With your whole heart. With your whole heart. It does not mean 
that you're singing in tongues continuously. Now, thank God for singing in tongues, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about with your whole heart. God is seeking people that will worship Him in line with His Word. But He's actually looking for... Now, you need to get what I'm about to say. How many of you know we need to do things in line with His Word? But God is really more concerned about your heart than He is concerned about you being perfectly in line with His Word. Because there's people that worship God right in line with His Word, but their heart's not right. And God won't receive that worship. You can worship God according to this book perfectly, but if your heart isn't right, He won't receive it. I'll prove that to you here in just a moment. Now remember a moment ago we said worship in heaven was demonstrative? Now how many of you know that, that if you've been around the house of God any length of time, you've seen probably all different kinds of people do all kinds of different things in worship. Some people will raise their hands. Some people won't. Some people will raise their voice. Some people won't. Some people, some people won't. You know, if you've been around any length of time, you'll see people really get, get into it, and some people won't. Do you know that whether people are what I call hooting and hollering, or whether they're not, really doesn't have anything to do with anything. Come on. It's all about, and I don't mean the blood pump, I'm talking about the real you, your spirit. I've seen people run around the room, hoot and holler, and their heart was just as wrong as could be. And people walk out and say, boy, they really worship God. And God didn't receive any of their hooting and hollering. I've seen people stand there like a statue and their hearts just be as wrong as could be and God didn't receive any of it. Yet I've seen people stand there like a statue and their heart, you know what I mean? During worship and their hearts just worshiping God and God receives it. You can't tell if somebody's worshiping God or not. Only God can. Did you get what I just said? It's all about the heart. Many people judge other people's worship. We should not judge other people's worship. It's a dangerous thing to do. Many people judge other people's worship based on outward expression or lack thereof, which should not be the case. Remember, the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Now, the worship service we just had up here some time ago. Most people would look at that and say, that was good worship. Now, I understand what people are saying here, but I'm being technical, but I think we need to be technical to really understand. Now, you couldn't have a better singer, more anointed than Shelley. Just beautiful. But we don't know, now I'm going to use you as an example, is that okay? We don't know, see we don't know if her worship this morning was good or not. Only God knows that. 
because it depends on her heart. And you can't know that. Because I can think of worship leaders over the years, some who led some of the biggest churches on television around the world. And yet while that worship leader was up there, and everybody's you know, just great, 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 but yet he's having an extramarital affair on his wife while he's leading worldwide worship. So that worship, I'm just saying, I mean, it, it, God's the judge, but that can't be good, can it? Come on now. Now, sometimes churches will say, we have good worship. Now, I know what they mean by that. And, and, and what they mean by that is we've got, we've got good music. Now, how many of you know the Bible talks about that the, the musicians and singers should be skillful? No question about that. But we can't know, you can't know, nobody can know if the worship is good except one person and his name is God. Because he looks at the heart. So, just because... Shelly sings real beautiful. We can't know if it was good. Now, it, it, it's good as far as it sounds to our ears, our human ears. But see, she's not here to please us. She's here to please God, and only God knows if it was good. And I trust that it was. Is it, I didn't embarrass you with that, did I? You, would you agree with that? Yeah. Do what? Pictures herself at her bathroom alone. Is that wonderful? See, so she's not here to get the accolades of human beings. Are you getting what I'm saying? We don't know if your worship was good this morning or not. Only God knows. It has nothing to do as if you raised your hands or you moved your hands a certain way or if you danced or if you didn't or what. It's all about your Could you worship God just as effectively sitting on your seat or dancing? Could both of those be acceptable to God? Yes, but it depends on your... So I can't know and you can't know and your neighbor can't know and you can't know. Nobody can. Only God knows. Now the worship leaders are here to lead us in worship. Don't misunderstand me. But are you getting what I'm saying? Well, we've got great worship over here at this church. Well, you... You, you, you don't know that. How do you, what, you could say we've got great music. Sounds real pretty to the ears. But you can't know if it's great or good. Only God can because it's, um, it, it, your worship is only as good as your heart. And that's not, listen to me, that's not just the people up here. It's the people on the stage leading and it's the people in the congregation. It's got to be all of us with right hearts. Yes or no? And I feel badly for people over the years who have basically been beaten to smithereens because they're not a hooter and a hollerer. And they're not a dancer or a runner. And they've been basically made to, be, to feel like they're worthless because they don't jump and do all this stuff with their hands. But you see, the person that doesn't do all that, maybe their heart's right and... And God receives it more than the person running around the room. 
but you could run around a room with a right heart and God would receive that too. Do you get what I'm saying? It's all, it's not about the manifestation of demonstrativeness, it's about the what? Now then go, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the next verse for the sake of time. Let's go to Revel, Romans 12, 1. Real quickly. And then this is the last aspect about in the Spirit. So first of all, what does in the Spirit mean? It means with your what? Is that easy enough? How many of you know you can have a lot of, lot of stuff going on in worship anymore? A lot of the churches have all kinds of lights and cameras and action and all kinds of smoke going on. and That could be good. It could not be. What is it a matter of? The, so if the heart's right, then fine. If the heart's not right, then it isn't. It's, it's up to God, isn't it? Romans 12.1. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present. We're talking about in spirit here now. In spirit means two things. First, it means with your whole heart. And here's the second thing it means. Now watch this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, except perfect will of God. Now, now, we have to read this in the Amplified Classic to really get what he's saying here. So let's read this verse in the Amplified Classic here. You ready? I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your what? Of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties. Did I say that right? As a what? Living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God. For this is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and... Get that last part. And what? Now let's leave that up there for a minute. What does those last words say? Spiritual worship. What is... Please leave that up there. What is your spiritual worship? It's the what? It's the presenting of your bodies to God every moment of every day at all times as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, and consecrated, and well-pleasing to God. That is your spiritual worship. What you do in this auditorium on Sunday morning for 30 minutes from 10 to 10.30 is really not your spiritual worship. It's just a little bitty part of it. Your spiritual worship happens every moment of every day as to how you live your life out there when nobody's looking, when nobody's around. Did you hear me? Presenting your bodies to the Lord all week long, a living holy sacrifice... If you do that, then when you, you see, that's your spiritual worship. Then when you come to church on Sunday morning, that is what makes your worship on Sunday morning acceptable to God. Your right heart and your living right during the week. 
I've watched people decades of this. They'll, I'm talking Christian, born-again, spirit-filled Christians will treat somebody at Walmart, treat, treat, treat the clerk at Walmart like they're a dog or treat their friend at work like a dog or, or treat their husband or wife like a dog. You know what I mean? Treat a fellow brother or sister like a dog. They come to church on Sunday and raise their hands and we bring the sacrifice of praise. How many of you know God's not going to receive that? You can't live like the devil six days out of the week and then come on the seventh and raise your hands and worship God and have God receive it. In spirit means with your whole heart, you're living right before God during the week. And then you come, and, you, and that's worship to God all week long. You don't, if all you do on Sunday mornings, if the only time you worship in God is 30 minutes on Sunday morning, you're missing it. You don't, it's how you live your life every day, not just when you're singing or praying. It's how you treat people, how you live every day. That is your spiritual worship. And you do that with a right heart. And then, and then you come and then for 30 minutes. See, most people think that their worship to God is 30 minutes on a Sunday morning at the service. And any, and any more in this hour in which we live, a lot of people don't even enter into worship because this society has been trained to entertain. And so a lot of places where you go to church, you go in there and all they're doing is the worship team's entertaining the crowd with what's quote-unquote good music. Now that's just sad, but it's just the way that it is. But you live right during the week. And, you, and, and, and you're worshiping God all the time, all week long, with your service to Him and living right before Him. And you come here on Sunday mornings and then, and then 30 minutes is just a continuation of your life. And your heart's right, you sing to the Lord, and it's received and acceptable to Him. Can you say amen? amen. All right, go real quickly, go to Isaiah 1 verse 10. Are you getting anything out of this? I want to look at two things real quick, just two verses, two passages, and we'll be done. We see this uh, with God's people in the Old Testament. They weren't living right during the week, but they'd come to the house of God and they'd follow all the ritual and all the worship and they'd do it right in line with the word of God and God wouldn't receive it. Look at this, Isaiah 1.10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now God is talking to his people here and he's really calling them names. He's calling them Sodom and Gomorrah. He's talking to his people. You know what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. I wouldn't want God to call me that. But he's calling a people that who lived unholy during the week, talk bad about people during the week, gossip during the week, and all these other sorts of things. And then they come to church on Sunday or come to the temple on Saturday, whatever it was. They come to the house of God and want to worship God. And God said, no, I'm not going to receive it. And these people did everything according to the way God wanted it done, but their hearts weren't right. They weren't living right during the week. So he calls them Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? Says the Lord, I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of cattle. Now, he, he wanted that. And they brought it. He said, I've had enough of it. 
I do not delight in the blood of bulls, of lambs, or goats. Yet he asked for it. They were bringing it. They were doing it right. He said, I don't want any part of it. He said, verse 12, when you come to appear before me, who who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile, futile sacrifices. They were futile. Why? You'll see. Incense is an abomination to me. Yet that's what he asked for. That's what he called for. That's what God called for. They're doing exactly right in line what he wants done. He says it's an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. He called for, he wanted it all. They were doing it just exactly prescribed right in line with what he wanted. He said, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. In other words, I'll put it in words we can understand. I can't stand it when you come to church with sin in your life. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates, even though God called for these things. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, watch this. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though, think about that. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Remember David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God won't hear me. Your hands are full of blood. See, these people were doing the ritual and the ceremony correctly, but they had a practice of sin in their lives. Now, we're not talking about people who just goofed up or missed it here or there. We all miss it here and there. These are talking, let's talk about people who was practicing sin during God's people, practicing sin during the week, and then coming to the house of God, wanting to worship God. And God said, I don't want any, any part of it. And then he goes on and he says, isn't God good? He says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the, see, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. They weren't doing these things. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins be like scarlet, they'll be white as snow, though they're red like crimson, they'll be as well. What is he saying? He said, you can repent. Isn't it good that we can repent? Do you get what he's saying there? They were doing everything right according to the book, the way he wanted it done, but their heart wasn't right, they weren't living right, and he said, I don't want any part of it. Look at Amos 5, and this is it. Look at Amos 5, 21 through 24. Watch this. This is even more, even more poignant. God says, through the prophet Amos to his people, he said, I hate, I despise your feast days. I hate, I despise your feast days, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Can you imagine when God says, I just hate it when you all get together at Summit on Sunday morning? Would you want him saying that about us? Well, that's what he was saying about these people. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fatted peace offerings. And and yet he wanted those, but he said, I won't regard them. He said, take away from me the noise of your songs. See, they were singing worship songs to God, but he heard them as what? Noise. I tell you what, this is a good example here. You need to hear this. Back many, 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 many years ago. You probably wouldn't even know who I was talking about, so I can share this. Many years ago. 
long time ago, had a person up on the stage on the worship team singing, could sing like an angel. You know what I mean? Just just beautiful, beautiful. And there was a little gal in the congregation who sang worse than me. They were standing right behind me. And I sing pretty bad. And the Spirit of God just started dealing with my heart. And he was, he basically said to me, he, he said, the one behind you is beautiful to me, the one up there isn't. The one standing behind me, you heard that person sing, didn't sound very good. Sound really bad. But it was beautiful to the Lord because her heart was right. But the one up here, come to find out later, no no sexual stuff, but just, just mean-spirited. Come on now. Did you hear me? Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I'll not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. Let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. So are we supposed to sing to the Lord and play instruments to the Lord and all of that? Yes. Raise our hands to the Lord. All yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just supposed to do it with a what? A right heart and live a holy life. And he'll accept it. Okay? How do you worship him? In spirit and in truth. You think you understand the in spirit a little bit better now? Remember what Jesus said? He said that God brought his gift to the altar. And as he was going to worship God with that gift, we'll talk about this later. He, he, he said the guy remembered he, had, he was in strife with his brother. And, and Jesus said, leave your gift. Don't offer it. Go get rid of that strife between you and your brother. And then come back and what? Offer the gift. Did you get what I just said there? See if there it's all about holy living and, 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 and a right heart. If we want our worship to be acceptable to the Lord. Have you ever come in here and begin to, the music starts, you begin to worship God. You know there's things in your life that shouldn't be there and your heart will start condemning you. See, the Bible talks about our heart will condemn us. So when I worship God, I don't want my heart condemning me. Did you get anything out of this? It's time for me to stop. Stand with me if you would. We'll pick up with this next week. If you need prayer for anything.